a lesson that I want to I, I want to um, share with us today, so that everybody who's watching on delay will be able to share this, um, will be able to see this. Um, this is a reading. So many of you know that I've been studying with a Japanese school in uh, in Hawaii. They're in Hawaii, but um, I'm uh, they're all over the world actually. And you know that I've been learning with um, this this Japanese school comes out of Japan. I've been learning here, and um, this is one of the main sutras, the main uh, texts of of learning of the, of the main emphasis of text that they've they've chosen to surround the entire um, school upon, which is uh, the, called the Lotus Sutra. And so uh, this is one of the sections of the Lotus Sutra. There's, uh, there's three that they emphasize, the three jewels that they emphasize in this school. And I wanted to, to use this as a jump off point for what I think is the most important thing that we can take away from Yom Kippur this year. So I'll share with, share with you, you can read it for yourself. I'll read it uh, pretty quickly. This is a part of a poem that's translated um, and done by a modern a modern edition of a poem in which we talk about uh, the the regarder of sounds the bodhisattva regarder of sounds, which is uh, one of the figures that they have in in the sutra. Um, and uh, I should say, just as background, the the understanding of this school of thought, the one I'm learning in, the Risho Kose Kai, is uh, that there is one vehicle that we are all part of one vehicle um, and all of the world's traditions are pointing in the direction of one, one divine, one thing that is, uh, that is all, all of it together it is, uh, we're all coming at it from different angles. It's like, um, it's spokes of a wheel that are all belong to the same wheel and we're all trying to point in the same direction. And this is what they seem, see to be the essence of all of the spokes of the wheel coming together, which is, uh, which we'll, we'll read together. And I wanna make some suggestions about, about how uh, we spend our time, because I think time is what the most, one of the most essential things that we're gonna, we're, we can emphasize during this high holidays because of the fact that, that um, time is the, one of our most fleeting resources, time and health, right? Time together, but time is the most, I think, Time is what is diminished by poor health. Um, and that's what we lose if we have poor health is we lose our time. So we're going to talk about time. We're also going to talk about sounds because sound is the place that we started today. But so here, here it goes. And, and I want to also point out that um, this is an element that I think is missing in our uh, tradition, in the Jewish tradition, that, um, that we don't really hear a lot about a divine feminine, a feminine divine. And we talked about this in the, in the previous class. I think this is so critical. I think that it is indispensable. And the fact that we don't have it, I think we need to put it back in there. We need to put it in there. If it wasn't there before, we need to put it in there now. But here, notice the language here. The Bodhisattva regarder of sounds is the mind of deep compassion flowing through the world. Her deep compassion also flows through me. It is one, this mind of deep compassion. If someone brings me joy, that person is the bodhisattva regarder of sounds. If a tree 
brings me comfort. That tree is definitely the bodhisattva regarder of sounds. When I am someone who blames no one, I am the bodhisattva regarder of sounds. And when you are someone who forgives me, you are the revered bodhisattva regarder of sounds. The bodhisattva regarder of sounds is the mind of deep compassion flowing through the world, flowing through you and flowing through me. She is this one mind of deep compassion. Okay, so I'm gonna stop the share. And, um, and if you want, we can uh, post this up. We'll post this reading up in the, on the website with the recording of today's session so that you can refer to it later if you'd like. Um, this will be, this has been, this is recorded right now currently, and you'll be able to go refer to it later if you want to prepare for on the day or, or just, uh, uh, just come revisit the, the lesson. Okay, so compassionate mind and heart, compassionate mind. That's, I think, what we're digging towards when we think about what are we trying to do on this Yom Kippur, on this day of atonement. We're trying to find all the places in which we didn't live up to that. We didn't, in the time that we've had on this earth, we didn't live up to it, up to that. The, the compassion, the piece of us that we know when we're in our best elements, when we're actually living the best life that we can, we know we become compassionate, we become understanding, we become loving, we become lack of uh, non-judgmental. So uh, the question that I have here um, is, you know, where does that live? And I think that with our tradition, we have so many readings and prayers and we stand here and we sit there and do I do it like this or do I bow like that or do I whatever, right? It's like so many rules. How do I eat? Do I eat this or do I not eat that? Do I wear a kippah? Do I not wear a kippah? Do I wear, do, you know, how am I guys supposed to act? What are the rules? Tell me the rules. And all the rules are in here. They're right here, right in the head. And I think that what this, this passage reminds me of, and I think is actually really essential in our practice is it's not there. Like, it, yeah, okay, our head knows certain things and it's really good as a consultant, right? But it's not really good as the CEO. It's not really good as the CEO. It's very good as like, can I consult with it to tell me how to be, once I've already, once I've already determined the pathway, but really, actually, I have to consult with something different. And I think modern science is showing us something interesting, which is that, yes, our neural pathways are up here. And we make executive decisions from here. And we think about stuff from here. And that fires up. But where is actually most of our neurological activity? It's actually in our gut. It's actually in our gut. Strange to say that, right? But when you, when you start to calculate, when they calculate uh, where most of the decision-making process is done for, our, for human beings, it actually happens from the gut. It happens from our cravings, our desires. If I want sugar, it's because I'm low on sugar. It's because my body, my gut is saying not enough sugar. It's, it's like the foods that I eat actually determine what goes on in my mind. It's an interesting thing. And, and what the, the state of my actual physical health will determine my ability to pay attention, to not pay attention, to focus, to be kind, to be edgy, to be whatever is going on actually happens. A lot more of it is happening in our gut, in our, in our belly. 
Uh, interestingly, in as I as I've been in Hawaii, uh, I, I was working with a with an energy healer, and uh, and she said to me that actually the concept in in Hawaiian uh, culture and wisdom is that your mind, the thing that makes decisions for you, that is actually in your in your belly, right in your right at the center of your belly button, and that place is where we need to be paying attention to, I think, much more than what's going on inside of our head. Because that's your gut. That's what tells you, this is right, this is wrong. This is good and helpful for me. This is not so helpful for me. And if we're paying attention to only what's going on in our minds, our minds are very confusing things. The Maggid of Mezrich talks about that. The Piazetna talks about that. They talk about if you were to follow your thoughts, and just catalog your thoughts over the course of 24 hours. What you'd find is, is that that's a crazy person. And that's for everybody. That's not for me or you or any other person. It's every person. If you were to catalog their thoughts, you'd find the thoughts don't connect to each other. There's no uh, reason for or rhyme or reason for why that we can discern for why one thought comes or another comes or a place. And what's the order of it? And how come they're so contradictory? It's kind of crazy. Um, so we need to do a, like kind of like a, a, a new training program is, is, is how do we train ourselves to really start to get to know what our gut says? How do we start to train ourselves to listen to the part of us that's like that I think our tradition is begging of us to try to, to, try to, do, to, to learn from is, is like your, your, your instinct, your conscience. The part of you that goes, ooh, you feel it in your gut. You feel it in your stomach. Ooh, I don't know. Uh, and then we'd even say it. I don't feel right about that. And we feel that. Where do we feel that? You know, we feel that in our body. We feel that in our gut. We feel that sometimes in the frog in the throat or in, or in the solar plexus. We feel that actually in our body. We don't feel that in our mind. And those are the pieces of us that we need to pay attention to even more. Okay, so the regarder of sounds, uh, the mind of deep compassion. So it, it says it here. If a person brings me joy, the people around me, right? you should love others as you love yourself. You need to look at them and know that's the divine. That's what I love about this whole thing. This whole, this whole practice is basically saying, almost exactly what we've been what we've been teaching for years now which is everything that comes into your consciousness everything that comes into my my scope of view i need to regard it as a friend i need to regard it as uh as something that's coming to teach me that's a representative of the divine so if somebody comes and brings me joy and they say something good to me or or they they treat me in a in a good way or they just smile to me in this in the supermarket or where, you know, wherever I am, wherever I'm walking around, now it's harder to see a smile, but you can tell when somebody's giving you a smile through their eyes, right? We're learning to be, to learn, to detect more subtlety. Know it is them, look at them and, and think, and don't just think to yourself, take it even a step by beyond what we would have said in the Jewish tradition of love them as you love yourself and saying, that is a representative and emissary of the divine of the regarder of sound, whatever that means, right? 
of her, her deep compassion as it flows through us. So you can recognize it in other people. That's one of the places where we can start to look for the divine is in the people around us and how they make us feel. And you'll know it, right? How do you know you feel joyous? You feel it in your body. It's back to the feeling again, right? You feel somebody says something nice. It makes you feel good. And you're supposed to then in that moment also recognize, whoa, look at that person who just brought good into my life, into my, into my world, into my mind, into my body. I can feel it. And because I can feel it, I need to recognize, oh, that's not, that's not them that are doing that. That's the divine. That's her compassion flowing through us. So it's an interesting piece here because you'd think I'm going to tell you it's all about these people. It's not. I think that's the point of Yom Kippur is to say everything is God and nothing but God. The people in your life, the circumstances, you can probably hear the roosters in the background on the farm that I'm on. Um, and, and it's all of it. So, so recognize when something good comes into your life, that's her. That's the divine coming to visit. I'm purposefully using the divine feminine here because I think that's missing in our text. And I think it's important for us to balance. Okay, now in nature, if a tree brings me comfort, that tree is definitely the bodhisattva regarder of sound. So look around you. And whether you're in a city or you're in a more rural location, or we can start to look around and see the trees and the flowers and the plants. And if you've got an herb garden, I know that there's many of us who have plants around. I think it's not just reserved for trees. I think the point of this is to say, look around you. Look at this world, the natural beauty of it and the things that we've built and start to take in that nature and whatever it is that's coming in from outside of you in the world and start to look at it as, whoa, that's, that's her. That's the divine. That's her coming into my consciousness. It's definitely, it's even, even they, they even say here in this, in this poem, it's definitely the Bodhisattva regarder of sounds, which is one another name for the divine that they're using here. Now, the next piece, I think, is less obvious. I think the other one is a little like, we know this, right? We go on a big hike, we go see the Niagara Falls, we go to somewhere that like the, the Grand Canyon, or we visit someplace that's beautiful. And we, we have, it takes your breath away. It's kind of like unmistakable. If you're paying attention enough in life, those be natural beauty pieces, when they come up, you're just, uh, whoa, Whew, thank God for that, right? So those are a little bit easier for us. But I think this is important to regard nature as part of us too because there's another piece of this that i've been more interested in lately which is you know had there not been trees and plants this planet would not be habitable for human beings it's there it's that simple if there weren't trees to convert the carbon dioxide into oxygen and plants to go through the photosynthesis synthesis synthesis and 
translate those elements into some element that we can live in as human beings, we could not exist. That's it. So it's plain and simple. And we're knowing we're learning more about that in terms of global warming, in terms of carbon emissions and things like that. Now we're paying more attention to it. But the truth is that when we treat nature as other anything other than part of us, we're harming ourselves. We're diminishing ourselves. We're not understanding that fundamentally we're not, we cannot separate nature from ourselves. We cannot separate what's out there from what's in here. We couldn't exist, literally couldn't exist if those things weren't also there. So sometimes we get this, uh, we get this delusion, illusion that we are here and nature is here and it's our job to subdue the nature and I'm not going to argue with the fact that we do need to have houses. We do need to protect ourselves from mosquitoes and, you know, things like that. We need to protect ourselves from the animals and um, who, who are predatory and, and take care of ourselves. We need to, we need, do need to take care of ourselves. But I think that there's a distinction between that and feeling like an, a sense of entitlement to go and take of the, from nature and just pillage it as if it's ours to just, do whatever you want with it. I think that there's a lack of respect for nature that we we're living in. That we we forget that we impact them. You know, so we have to be thinking about how what's my impact on this environment. And I think you can drive yourself crazy with this, so don't go too far into it. But you think to yourself, like, if there are simple things I can do in my life to make it things a little bit better, can I switch my laundry detergent to be something that is not going to harm the environment? Can I switch the cleaning fluids that I use? Um, for, for my day-to-day -day cleanup to be something that actually is more sustainable? Can I, can I think, look at my dishwasher detergent and, and I know that that goes straight into the water supply? Like, can I look in those, at the things that I use on a day-to-day -day basis and start to make upgrades in those? Can I use a little bit less water? Can I start to respect nature as a limited resource upon which my life relies? That's not separate from me. It's not to be abused. That's another piece of this is how do I treat other people? How do I look at other people? How do I receive other people? And how do I relate to the environment around me? Those are two pieces that I think are important. And then I think the ending of this is like is spot on. I think that's what the whole day is about. And I'll stop talking soon. But the ending of this is look within you. When I am someone who blames no one, I am Bodhisattva, regarder of sound. It says like, how do I work to become the kind of person who looks out into the world and out of either a sense of gratitude or a sense of connection with all the things around me? I understand that I am but part of this entire thing or I, I notice that the people around me are, I can tell that they are suffering just like I suffer. And so I, I, I give them compassion too. Or can I do that for myself too, right? When I am somebody who is able to be with, live within that, within me, is the, the phrase we've been using. And you shall love the other like you love yourself. And the rabbis and have commented on this often say, 
yeah, you have to know how to love yourself in order to love other people. The, the limit to which you can love yourself is going to be the limit to which you can love other people. I don't know if that's totally true. I think sometimes we learn how to love ourselves by being loved. I think that's true. I think it can happen or loving other people can te teach, teach us how to love ourselves. I think that it can be circular. I don't, I don't know where it starts or ends, but I think there is ultimately needs to be a weight on how do I treat myself? How do I meet myself in a mind of deep compassion? It's within me. And I think when we think about Yom Kippur, we think about, oh, God on this, on the mountain, you know, wants me to, to have a fast and to think about, you know, all the things I've done wrong this year. And I think what this, for this reading is teaching us, and I'll put it right back on the screen for a moment, it, it's teaching us actually, you know what, I'm not going to put it on the screen. I just changed my mind. It's, it's, uh, it's teaching us compassion. Compassion. It's not about your, your fasting. It's not about your penitential. It's not about how many times you strike your chest. It's not about that. It's not about any of those things, the words you say or whatever, right? Those are all meant to be pointing back to compassion. They're meant to be helping you become a person who sees the divinity within all things, who sees that the people in your life are part of that and can become a bigger part of that as you pay attention to it. And the nature, the surroundings you're in can be part of that. Not only can they, they are part of that. And you, you are part of that. It's all part of the same thing. And so when we're doing this, this, this kind of living, that's how we know we've been honoring the divine. We know we're doing it right when we have a mind of deep compassion that we allow to flow through us, which is flowing through all of the world, which is flowing through you, which is flowing through me. She is one mind of deep compassion. It's all one thing. All of it is one thing. that's what we're striving for in this year. We're striving for the ability to start looking around us and seeing that we're all part of this one unfolding of compassion. And the better we are at detecting that, and we'll practice how to detect that, the better we are at detecting that through our gut, through our consciousness, the better we're gonna be aligned, the more we'll understand from our feedback system, oh, this is the right way. Oh, that's not the right way. Oh, this is the right way. Oh, that feels wrong. Let's not do that. And we'll start to set down the things that feel wrong. We'll start to move towards the things that feel right. And in time, within a year, we'll look back and feel, yes, there's probably more improvement to go, to go, but we're not working on the same struggles as we've always been. And that's because we've learned to live with, within ourselves. We've learned to, to recognize the blessing of the people around us. And we've learned to recognize the blessing of ourselves and of all of nature, and that we're all one part of one mind of compassion.